Welcome to our first Christmas episode of Bourbon and Blood. Oh, have, oh, 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 sorry. <laughs> have you been impish or... Shit, I forgot. Admirable. Admirable. <laughs> Who is it? We are Bellsnickel. Bellsnickel. We're Bellsnickel advocates here to talk to you about the spirit of Christmas. Really, we're here to talk to you about a movie from 2015 called A Christmas Horror Story. It was it's going to be really hard to make fun of the movie because this movie is dope. It's actually super great. I- but we'll get into that. Now, we're going to cue the music. So I can start off with that. We drank a Merry Christmas cocktail. Welcome back. I'm Daniel, as always, and joined by the lovely and beautiful... Belschnickel. And she has been very impish. So (laughs) I am just the most impish. The most impish. The most impish of impish is (laughs) imps. Tonight we've been drinking a lot of... It's called Peppermint Mocha White Russians. It's fucking amazing. You guys, <laughs> if you like alcohol and you like peppermint, give it a whirl. Let me drop Delish. these ingredients on you so you can make it yourself. 1.5 ounces of vodka, 1.5 ounces of peppermint Kahlua, and 2 ounces of milk. That's not how I made it. I made it 2 ounces of peppermint Kahlua. <laughs> well, that's all right. We don't need yeah. to talk about the drink for 10 minutes. Whipped cream on top and crushed candy canes on top of the whipped cream makes it a holiday. It's delicious. It was a great, appropriate drink for our lovely viewing tonight. And tonight we chose to do a Christmas horror story. And like we said at the intro. It's amazing. Like, it's one of those movies that has four different stories that are all a little bit intertwined with each other. It's great. I went to Walmart looking for Krampus when it came out, and they did not have Krampus in stock. It was sold out. But they had a Christmas story, which looked like just like a giant ripoff. You know how they make, like, very bad B-movies whenever, like, a bunch of horror movies come out? Mm. Like, when Insidious came out, you saw nothing but insane, like, stupid ghost stories that were dumb, that mm-hmm. were not real. Were not real, but not very good. Because Insidious is real. But I was like, you know what? This is uh, cheaper than Krampus would have been. I came to buy a movie. I'm going to buy a Christmas horror story. I have not regretted it. You guys, it's really good. And let me tell you, I am on team Angry Warrior Mermaid Santa. Like Mermaid? He looks like he should be a fucking, like, King Triton of the sea. I will say, he is the coolest looking Santa. His, like, frills and stuff and, like, his belt. He is the most badass Santa I have ever seen in my life. Let's get into that bit in a bit. (laughs) That bit in a bit. So there's three stories and then a main story that's going on in the background. I say we go... Story one, story two, and story three. Mm-hmm. And then we talk about the Santa story. Sure. Overall. First off, I want to talk about how much I love William Shatner in this movie mm-hmm. as Dangerous Dan. So for the rest of this podcast, you can refer to me as Dangerous Dan. Okay. That's right. Dangerous Dan here. <laughs> Bring you uh, Christmas spirit. So let's throw another eggnog on the fire and really get well, into I, this. I wrote that too. <laughs> story one. I mean... 
So this was hard to do because most anthologies don't do it like this where it's so intertwined. Most anthologies are like, here's one story, here's a second story, here's a third story, anthology done. No, they're usually intertwined. Are they the this Halloween? Yeah, oh yeah, I guess Trick or Treat is all pretty entwined in the... I feel like it's not this intertwined, because this one, that one story was told like consecutively. There's this one movie called like 20 Bucks or something like that. And Go it's on. like this. I think Brendan Fraser's on it. I love Brendan Fraser. <laughs> but it's like a $20 bill. It's about a $20 bill and like the, f- you know, three different people that it, it like. It affected? Yeah. I would love $20 right now. Uh, yeah. For real. For real, Santa. Story one is a, I, I titled it Horror in the Hallways because it's at one point one of the mm. teens talked about yeah. it. It's uh, basically the story of Virgin Mary. Which I liked. It takes place at, like, a boarding school. It takes place in St. Joseph's Academy. Sure. It's a boarding school. Yeah, which used to be a convent, but... Um, Let's get into it. Yeah, let me find my thing. So... Really, the only... The first note I wrote on this is, This girl is wearing a denim miniskirt in the middle of winter. I hate youths. <laughs> <laughs> The children are stupid. She had, like, bug eyes, and it bothered me the whole she fucking movie. She had bug movie. eyes and also some kind of weird mouth thing. And her forehead was huge. I hate that we're picking apart, like, yeah, a teenage girl, s- but she looks weird. I think maybe she might have been, like, the friend of the, like... Director or yeah, something? Yeah, she was, like, the daughter of the friend of the... Ooh, director. let's talk about that real quick. So, the writer, director, whatever, I don't know who the fuck is involved, but... Someone involved also wrote one of my favorites, Ginger Snaps, because this is also yeah. taking place in the same town, Bailey's Downs. Oh my god. It's all the same town. <gasps> and apparently it's also the same to town live. as something in Supernatural, the I show. I hate to live there. I would love to live in Bailey Downs. It seems like it would just be a lot of high stress. You just feel like, am I going to get killed by Krampus or an evil Virgin Mary? You Werewolves? Who knows? Who knows? Right. It's Christmas. All right, back to story one. Uh, we are joined by Dylan and his girlfriend, Caprice, who does not stay with them because she's going in a road trip with her family, which is another story. Her name is Caprice? Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> and then Molly and Ben. Yeah, and then on the wall, there I wrote, <laughs> for unto us a child is born, unto a child is okay. given. All right, Which well, is a born. Let's. Let's delve a little bit more into that. Do it. At this boarding school the previous year, there was a murder of two students. One boy was, like, basically crucified crucified to the wall, and then the girl was, like, hung from the rafters in the hallway kind of thing. So... This little group of teens is like, oh, we're going to go delve into this. We got to go figure out what's happening. They're doing it because of a school assignment. Sure. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. What school assignment do you do to like... Well, can I tell you, in my German class in 10th or 11th grade, maybe it was 12th grade. I don't remember. My German class of four years was just a blur. But we had to do a project one time, and we did the Blair Trollin project. What? Which was... Please go on. We went in the woods, right? Okay, so me, Rachel, and Sarah went in the woods and made this... It was basically a parody of the Blair Witch Project, but it was little troll dolls. 
Oh my so god. So it was the Blair Troll Project, and it was all in German. And it was amazing. Yeah. I'm impressed. Do you have a copy? Because I want to see this. No, I don't have a copy. I took German in eighth grade. And eighth grade was the year I started. It's, it's going to sound really bad. But I went to uh, Parkside, which is like Jackson Middle School, mm. which was a bad school. Ooh. And I would get drunk at the bus stop with this. Uh, How old were you? Whatever eighth grade is. It was oh. way too young. Okay, you so would the, get drunk at the bus stop in the morning? Yeah, so this kid <gasps> Luke this kid Luke and this girl Stacy, uh-uh. Luke would bring alcohol from his dad's cabinet and we would get drunk. And my first class was German and my teacher complimented on my report card how well I slurred everything. And I don't remember a lick of German. I don't remember even taking that class. And it's because so, as an eighth grader, I was drinking like rum. That's awful. I was a bad boy. I took Three years of German? Maybe four. I think three. But the very first semester I had, my German teacher's father had a stroke. Her mother was already sick. So she had to leave for basically the rest of the year to take care of her parents. And so we had this kind of permanent substitute named Mrs. Binder, who was this old lady from Boston. And didn't know German, and would come in and say, Guten Morgen, class. Ich heiße Frau Binder. And it was amazing. <laughs> but I didn't learn a fucking thing in German, and I stayed in that class for three years and didn't learn a goddamned thing. You know how to say my mother sleeps in the train station? Meine Mutter schläft in den Bahnhof. Why would you learn that? Of all things, <laughs> my mother sleeps at a train station. Why wouldn't you? I know how to say you're so you're such a rascal. Say it. Du bist so eine Schlitzer. Ooh, I am a <laughs> rascal. <laughs> so at one point, uh, Ben wanders off. No, Ben doesn't wander off. Well, Ben does wander off a few times, but it's still in this like, I gotta take a piss. Ooh. Also, listeners, this is the first time in a while I've seen Ann jump at a movie. I did jump. Ben and Molly are in the room while Dylan's off peeing, and, like, a body, like, is behind Dylan, or no, Ben, and I saw Ann jump, and it was very exciting. It wasn't even when I jumped, oh, no. you goose. It was I when jumped. The yeah. So they were watching this a video. Doesn't, Go ahead. This podcast is not making any sense, because you're just jumping around right now. You so, take, take the reins of the scene. Okay, we're going back to the scene of, like, the two kids that were murdered in this room. Going back to when the cop who found this scene found them. He comes along later in this movie. He has his own story of his own. But in this story, he's, like, examining this body of the guy who was, like, crucified to the wall. The original kids. Yeah, when he goes out in the hallway, the girl, like, just... Drops down from the rafters. And Ann jumps. And I jumped. I don't it's jump a, a lot in the movies, y'all. And we've seen this. It's been like a year. So it's a usual Christmas movie. I, you know what? We did see this. I didn't remember so much of this movie. It's so and good. it's so good. Like, <laughs> I feel like an idiot 
talking about this, I feel like my notes are all jumpy and all over. It's fine. We're drunk. You might have to do some editing on that. But I kind of would like to go back for a minute. To which part? To William Shatner being a radio (laughs) DJ at Christmas. What's your favorite Christmas song? Honestly, it's not one I want to jam often, but it's definitely a Christmas song, like during Christmas, but I can't think of the name of it. Think Home Alone is like... Dun, 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 Carol of the yeah. Bells? Yeah, but during Home Alone, when it gets all, like, intense. Can I tell you something? My dad's, like, most favorite Christmas song is Carol of the Bells from Home Alone. It's, like, it's just, like, especially when he's, like, getting prepared for the house, it builds up so much. It's just, like, intense. Can I put that in here? Is there a copyright? Let's find out. I'll put it in now. I mean, if there's not copyrights, can you put in my favorite? Which yeah, go ahead. is... Go Tell It on the Mountain by Jim Neighbors, who just recently died. Rest in peace, Jim Rest Neighbors. Rest in peace, Jim Neighbors. Well, go, go tell it on the mountain. Well, go tell it on the mountain. I said, go, go tell it on the mountain. Go tell it. Jesus Christ is born. Hallelujah. Go, go tell it on the mountain. Well, over go the hills and everywhere. Go mountain Jesus Christ is born what an amazing performer but (laughs) go tell it on the mountain by Jim Neighbors to me is the quintessential really I love that song gets me jazz how is that a Christmas song go tell it on the mountain because it's about go telling about Jesus being born go tell it on the mountain alright I know that song the mountain This whole, like, them exploring this school basement is beautiful. Like, creepy shots. We have one of the kids with a camera because they're filming a scene. He'll, like, swing through a room and you'll kind of see somebody or, like... But it's a mannequin or a shadow or something. I think, honestly, this story is the scariest because of the shots. It's not that the story's that creepy. Really? It's just the shots that are creepy. My favorite story was the cop. Oh, we'll get to that. That's my favorite. That is a good one. Skeezball Dylan uh, is a douchebag, but he denies Molly, which I was proud of. Because Molly is, of course, possessed by this Virgin Mary situation. Of course, because we completely explained that previously. Yeah, oh, wait, you did. We oh, I thought you did. No. I thought that's what you were talking about in your backstory. Not that she was possessed. Oh. Well, tell me how she got possessed. I don't know how she got no. possessed. Well, like, the candle blew out and she fell down. Oh, and she saw the creepy guy behind Billy. Or not Billy, Ben. <laughs> Billy Ben. Yeah, they find this room full of mannequins for the nativity scene. What did you have about nativity scenes? <laughs> just get my notes Matter of there. Fact, right? My perfect nativity scene. Kate McKinnon is Mary. Really? Oh, you went all out on this. Bill Murray or Jeff Bridges is Joseph. Either or. RuPaul is the angel <laughs> that sends the good news. And the wise people... Michelle Obama, Jim Henson, Bernie Sanders. This is the Democratic dream. Mm. <laughs> can, you not- ima- can you imagine RuPaul just like coming out over the sky over everyone and just being like, my squirrel friends. Who, uh, who plays baby Jesus? I'd say Finn from Stranger Things. No, it has to be <laughs> like a kitten or something. What? Like somebody adore- like Doug the Pug. 
It'll be oh, Doug the Pog. Doug the Pog. Or Juniper the Fox. I love Juniper. <laughs> you guys, Instagram. If you don't, if you don't follow Juniper the Fox on Instagram, <laughs> please do, because it is a delight. <laughs> I don't even know what to say to that. It's a little fun. No, I know. I've seen it. You showed me. It's beautiful. I have shown you more than once. <laughs> So they're exploring this room full of mannequins, and that's when Molly and Ben see, a, or no, Molly just sees like a creepy person behind Ben, and that possesses her. Like she drops her candle, falls on the ground, and starts seizuring. Seizuring? Seizuring. <laughs> seizuring. I'm drunk. Caesar salading. Oh, oh Lord. God. Let's get through this. So she's possessed. By the Virgin Mary ghost situation, which she just wants to get impregnated. Yeah, all of a sudden, that's just the situation is she just wants to have a baby. So first she approaches Dylan in the old creepy room and tries to bone down on him. And he's like. No. No, girl, I'm banging your friend. Get Which is weird me. because Dylan seems like a skis ball that would just take advantage That's of that. Not Dylan Dylan looks like a douchebag. How dare you? I'm he sorry. does not, and he obviously isn't a douchebag because he didn't fuck his friend who was like, fuck me, Dylan. I think just before this point, his attitude made me think he was a skis bag. But you know he's what? not a skis bag. He's not a skis bag. I jumped to conclusions. Team Dylan. <laughs> but safe sex doesn't save lives in this situation because Dylan uh, gets a crucifix through his head. Hmm. He has his eye on Jesus. No? No? You didn't like that joke? Hmm. Okay. No. Then, after killing Dylan, Molly basically... She fucks her boyfriend. That's not his, her boyfriend. That's oh, the guy that oh. has a crush on her. She has sex with Ben, and then she like wakes up confused because she was possessed the whole time. They go into the same room again, and we have, like, a whole drama situation where Mary is freaking out and telling Ben, like, this is not good, and then Ben gets pinned up on the wall and crucified. Who's Ben? He's the, no, it's right, the good kid-ish. Oh, okay. Mary watches and tries to save Ben as he's being crucified, then, like, this creepy Virgin Mary ghost monster lady, the one from long ago... Comes up, touches her belly, and then suddenly all the doors open and she can just walk out of the school. Like, that's basically story one. Hmm. But it was the creepiest one, in my opinion. I like the story of the couple and their kid. Let's go to that one. The husband and wife and their little child who is maybe like a five-year-old boy. I titled this The Christmas Tree. The Christmas Tree, yeah. So the husband is actually the cop who was uh, investigating the gruesome murder of the two college students. His name is Scott. A year ago, Scott. So him, his wife, and his little son, he decides to be a little bit of a rule breaker and go to private property to get their Christmas tree. Ah. (laughs) Ow. During this process, when they find the tree, their little boy gets lost. And they go frantically searching for him. Oh, and they find him. So I in was, a tree. I was annoyed by this part because they look around forever while standing in front of this tree with a giant hole 
in it. Like, that would be the first place I would look into is this giant hole in a tree. It would be the last place I would look. Because I wouldn't be like, oh, my kids are going in this giant tree hole. I feel like kids would. But keep going. (laughs) Well, you are young at heart, so. (laughs) I guess if our kids ever get lost in the woods, I'm going to let you lead the search. Okay. They're out in the woods. They find their perfect, wonderful Christmas tree. They're dragging it back to their truck. And they also found Bill. Or oh, and then you Will. see the uh, you the groundskeeper. Him? I said he looked like Steve Bannon on a which is creepy uh, as hell. Mobile. Is that what they're called? Ski mobiles? No, snowmobile. Ski mobile. <laughs> I like it. So they go back home, and the wife notices that her son is. Maybe not acting so great. Like, he has asthma and has an inhaler that he uses pretty frequently, but he hasn't had to use his inhaler, like, all day since they've been home. He's just not acting right. You know, stabs his dad in the hand with a fork. After mowing down on, like, four plates of spaghetti. Like, so much spaghetti. Which, (laughs) I feel you. Like, please do not judge for how much spaghetti somebody (laughs) eats. (laughs) Good lord. Spaghetti is delicious. If four plates of spaghetti equals a changeling, then you have been living with a fucking (laughs) demon poltergeist for a long-ass time. Yeah, it's just, it just becomes this huge mess. The kid is not the kid. He's evil. He has been possessed. He's a changeling. He's not possessed. He just is yeah, a changeling. Yeah, he's a changeling. He's and Will not is still hiding somewhere in the forest. Uh, he kills his dad. We do have a weird scene where the mom's sleeping in bed and, like, the changeling gets under the covers yeah, and, like, and she's, like, like, having it. a sex dream, and he's it's gross it's and super weird. Creepy. I don't like it. So the dad flips out because while he's napping on the couch drunk with his gun laying on the table, all the presents are open when he wakes up and destroyed on the floor, like the stuff that he bought and, like, the special present he bought for his wife, which I never got her name. I have no idea what her name was. Yeah, doesn't uh, the thing just say, like, to my wife? Yeah. He pulls out his belt and just starts beating the shit out of this kid, which is not not, no, not an okay parenting move. No. Can I just say, like, don't bring out the belt. Don't bring out the belt. Or, like, don't hit your kids. Or especially just, yeah. Just yell at them like I do. He goes to the room to apologize to his son, but the son is not clearly in the room. But he's also drunk, so, like, that matters anyways. And he goes back to the couch. We hear some scuffling. And the mom comes in the room, and what does she find? Okay, well, you missed, like, a miss? huge part. Go for it. So the dad's looking for the son, and he's like, where the hell is this kid? Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. And he's kind of, like, standing in the kitchen, like, what, what, what? And then you see the kid crawling on the ceiling, which is always... Anytime. So good for me. Like, give me a crazy person crawling on the ceiling when I don't expect it, and I will give your movie four stars. Out of five? No, four out of four. Like, <laughs> give me a crazy person just crawling on the ceiling. I love it. Ooh, it's so creepy. It just looks so good. And then the dad's dead. The kid kills him, wrapped him up in Christmas lights, chopped off his hands. And had a belt around his neck. Mm. Why would you chop off his hand, though? I mean, maybe because... Because maybe that was the hand he used to hit him with the belt. That's probably right. 
probably, because you don't fucking hit kids with a fucking bell. But at some point between this, the mom gets a call from Steve Bannon <laughs> telling her the story behind yeah, like Changelings. Yeah, Steve Bannon would call her. Right. Come on. I wrote, Anne, how would you react to this call if this was happening? If someone called you and said, your child was not your child, it's a changeling. Well, I mean, is this before or after you're sitting dead in the corner mutilated by it's Christmas before. decorations? Before, I would be like, no, I'll call you back in a little bit if things start getting weird. So only after I'm dead, strung up in Christmas lights, would you be like, all right, I let's talk to you, I should probably <laughs> give this crazy dude a call and see what he's talking about. So at this point, Scott's not too handy for the story. He's... Because he doesn't have a hand. Because he doesn't have a hand. So this story, Christmas is pretty much ruined. I don't see a good way out of this Christmas. But she decides, I'm going to take matters in my own hand after talking to Steve Bannon. I'm going to get this kid that's not my kid. Take matters into your own hand. (laughs) I didn't even mean that one. She's going to take her changeling son and change him out for her real son. So she gets a baseball bat. Things go down, not according to plan, because I feel like she didn't plan on completely hitting him over the head. Like, that would be really hard, even if you didn't know if it was your son. If it looked like your son, but it was evil, to hit it over the head with a baseball bat. I mean, yeah. I I don't know if I'd be able to do that to me. Even if it was evil? But they don't look evil. Like they don't look like they don't look like evil. They don't have like vampire face or like zombie eyes or anything. They like, had cool creepy glow in the dark eyes. I don't know if I could do that. I know. It. So she takes the changeling back to the forest and Steve Bannon meets her. And we find out basically the changelings just want to live their life and Steve Bannon's been like Whoa, guys, you have to stay in this forest. But there's so many. There's a lot of them. She accidents, accidents, accidentally shoots Steve Bannon in the forest, which, I mean, we can all live with. The changelings are pumped. They're like, all right. We can go just go crazy now. We can do whatever the fuck we want. So you can have your son back. Bye. That's the end of that story. I have a real issue being a parent whenever there's, like, a lost child scene Plus, so, okay, so I have that already, like, parent paranoia. Yeah. Over just losing your kid anywhere. Second, I have my true crime obsession, which is like, well, if somebody goes missing in the woods, clearly they were murdered. (laughs) So, it just freaks me out to think about, like, but I don't think I would have gotten to the point where I would have let my kids get out of my sight. For yeah. that long. Well, he, like, disappeared out of nowhere. They were, he was right behind them. Yeah, but, like, he stopped for a minute and he started walking back. Like, it, yeah. to me, it was like, oh, yeah, it's, been a, it's been a minute since we've turned and checked on the well-being of our child. <laughs> Maybe not. I don't know. But just saying, like, please don't let your kids loose in the woods. Or they'll be replaced by changelings and the whole thing is not good. Just don't do it. So the third story was my least favorite. Oh, wait. There was this scene. Oh, my God. See, we're jumping around stories here, and my notes are getting all flustered. Hold up. Take that. Rewind it back. So there's the scene in the family part, right? That I, you know. Yeah. The dad and the wife and the son when he's eating his spaghetti. 
Right? Yeah. And, like, the dad starts to take it away, and, like, he stabs him with the, with the fork. fork. And I wrote down, I would stab a motherfucker, too, for trying to take my spaghetti. <laughs> Don't touch my spaghetti. For trying to take my spaghetti away. <laughs> so, the third story, the family trip, is what I titled it, involving Krampus. Mm-hmm. Or Bell Schnickel. Whatever you prefer. I don't know. I don't know any notes on this part. I'm not a big was, fan of this story. I just hated this family so much. They deserve They're just to die. All awful people, and I'm okay that Krampus decided to kill them. So we get Caprice, who you meet at the beginning, who's friends with the other three dudes. She's the kids. one who gave them the keys to get because her dad is involved with the school or something. So. Yeah. She stole his keys, gave them to those kids. We get the dad, whose name is Taylor, and the son named Duncan, and then I get the mom's name. I don't know. Whiny, bitchy alcoholic. Seriously. They're going to visit their rich aunt because the dad's broke, and his business has fallen apart, and he's going to beg her for money, basically. Uh, the dad is a skis. Um, all skeezes. That whole family sucks. Yeah. So they go visit this aunt. It does not go well. Seriously, like the son breaks something, the daughter steals something, the mom drinks, and the dad is just pitching some stuff. Sounds and, like when I have a family gathering with oh. my family. Oh, hey. So they get kicked out of the house, they get back in their car, they spin out after almost hitting something, which looks like Krampus. Then they decide to walk through the forest, which I didn't understand. Right, they would walk through the forest instead of like walking on the road. Seriously. Like, what the fuck? That's so dumb. The dad gets hooked or something, and then for a guy that gets hooked, he is completely chill about it. You know what? Everybody is way too chill about this. I wrote, I would be freaking the fuck out if we were walking in the woods and all of a sudden, half of your torso was gone because of some random hook that came out of nowhere. I would be freaking out. This whole family is, like, insanely calm, and I don't like it, and I don't trust them. And, like, Duncan gets, like, carried away by the hook, and the mom freaks out a little bit. But seriously, not as much as everyone should be freaking out. No, not at all. So they go, and they keep walking, or they're running at this point because of the hooks and whatever's happening in the forest. And they find a church, and they go to hold up in there. They have this whole situation where the mom and the dad both get hooked up and killed and died inside the church. And then the daughter keeps running away from the church and gets to the aunt's house. And she can't get in. It's locked. And there's a cross on the door. But here's the part I want to talk about. Why would the cross keep Krampus out, but a church wouldn't? The holiest place doesn't keep Krampus out because he goes inside and, like, terrorizes them. But if there's a cross on your door, he won't bother you? Yeah. That doesn't make any sense. That is a really good question. It drives me nuts. But maybe because there's a real believer inside the house. At some point in this whole stupid story of the awesome four stories going on, they bring up a sound of music, and I've never seen it. Nor have I. And I thought this would be a good time to describe what we think a sound of music is about. I mean, I know what it's about. Oh, what's it? Wait. Right? It's about a crazy... It's about a family of 8,000 children. Are you kidding? And they need a nanny, and there's Nazis. 
The nanny, who is Julie Andrews, maybe the mom dies, and Julie, (laughs) mom dies, and Julie Andrews comes in and falls in love with the dad, and then they like outsmart the Nazis. That's really what it's about. I think so. That is not what I thought it was about. What did you think it was about? I don't know. Just like a musical about Happy Christmas stuff. No, there's like Nazis in it. <laughs> Nazis? I don't think there's like a Nazi number. <laughs> like, a Nazi musical scene? For real, not like I've never seen it, but I guarantee you that it's about like... What? Saving. Yeah, it's like about Nazis and like hiding... The nanny from the... I don't know! I always imagine it's very similar to uh, One Floor... Not One Floor of the Christmas. What's the one where, like, God bless us, everyone! Christmas candles. Yeah, I thought it was very similar to that because I knew it was somewhat Christmassy. One Flew Over the Cuckoo's (laughs) Nest! They're just a family of insane people Uh, inside it. Wow. Yeah. I was way off on what I thought that movie was about. Mm. I had no idea Nazis were involved at all. Yeah, there was definitely Is it still Nazi. a musical? Yeah, it's a musical. A musical with Nazis, but not with Nazis. Yeah, like they don't sing. Like the Nazis don't sing. That's very nice Like to just hear. the family sing, <laughs> I think. I mean, I've never seen it, so I don't know. I feel like there are Nazis in it. Listeners, if the Nazis sing in a you sound guys, of music. You guys, are there Nazis in Sound of Music? I'm do pretty they sing? sure there are. I'm almost positive there are. Nine. <laughs> no. Bitter? Bitter. Oh, we talked about how we took German and we suck Bitter. at it. So that story was my least favorite. It was still okay, but the other stories were better. Let's talk about the underlining story that's going on the whole time. Santa. Battle Santa. Battle Santa. (laughs) Sexy ass battle Santa. So we get this like, until the end, you're very confused by what's going on because it's like Santa attacking like zombie elves all throughout the world. Because the elves have all turned to zombies and so Santa has got to regulate up at the North Pole, the MP. And so he is just basically going on a killing spree so crazy up north. And then Shiny. I was trying to remember the elf's name yeah, that first Shiny flipped out. Shiny the elf. So Shiny flips out over some cookies that Mrs. Claus makes, basically stabs his hand, and for some reason he's infected and he spits blood on the other elves and they all become infected. So they're just a bunch of infected zombie elves. I guess. So, oh no, then we got like poor Santa, who was like the Poseidon god of Santas. Like, he looks like King Triton from Little Mermaid. He looks Mermaid, so cool. If he was Santa. Yeah. Like, he just looks like a badass motherfucker. He is going to fuck your shit up. But also give you a present if you've been good. And like he has the coolest staff I've ever seen. Yeah. He has like all these scars on his face from beating these elves up. Like he does not fuck around. So throughout this movie we keep getting different clips of him like murdering elves and elevators and mail rooms. Randomly throughout Santa's shop. And then towards the end he meets Mrs. Claus who's in like this weird hallway 
and she's acting weird, and he finds out she's infected. He has to take her out, of course. He has to kill her. And then when he goes to get his reindeers, because, you know, it's Santa. He's got to do his Christmas duty. He's got to deliver the toys to all the kids. He runs into Krampus. They have this, like, epic battle, and Anne was on the edge of the seat like, Santa's got to win. And it was hard for me not to say... You don't remember how this movie ends, I do don't. you? I <laughs> don't. I did not. I did not. I was totally on Team Santa, but you guys know what it was. Storm and yeah, Norman. Yeah, Storm and Norman, the weatherman for the radio station that William Shatner DJs at, who was doing the food drive at the mall. It was so cool because you've seen this movie, and there were scenes where, like, Dangerous Dan was talking about, like, things are happening at the mall, everyone just stay safe and stay away from the mall. And she was like, uh, what's happening at what's the mall? What's going on at the mall? <laughs> she didn't know, but I she didn't saw remember. But yeah, so Storm and Norman, who was dressing up as Santa for the food drive, went a little cuckoo nutso and just mutilated so many people at the mall. Just killed so many people. It was cool when they were doing like the flashbacks, the scenes we've seen. But then putting him with what really was happening, the girl who stabbed Santa with the scissors was actually like a girl working at a kiosk and freaking out and scared. So well done. This movie is so good. Something that I had an issue with, which, I mean, was resolved once you found out the last story about Santa at the mall. But I was like, so Santa at one point in the North Pole... He gets on an elevator and he's going up the elevator and in giant letters. I'm like, why does Santa have to use an elevator? He's fucking Santa. Like, you should just be able to shoot up to whatever floor you want to go to. Yeah, you do it in... But it's Doug. Yeah. He can't do that. It's not Doug, it's Storm and Norman. Ooh. <laughs> That's a Christmas story, or a Christmas horror story. A surprise, amazing feature you can find at Walmart. Which it's is a weird. good movie. I feel like we didn't do it justice, <laughs> but it's hard to do like a... A good movie just... No, not even a good movie, but like it's hard to do a um, multiple story... Anthology. Yeah, anthology. It's hard to do an anthology in a podcast because it's like... A they're lot. all intertwined, but you have to talk about them. I know, I was trying to, like, make each story its own thing, but they were playing in different times, or at the same time. Yeah. Which was hard to do. But hopefully you watched this movie, because I hope we didn't spoil the complete movie for you. We want to thank you for listening to this first of uh, three Christmas episodes of Bourbon and Blood. What are we going to do next week? Do you, you should choose. Would you rather do Krampus? Gremlins. Gremlins. All right, we're going to do Gremlins next week. We just did a Krampus movie. We can't do another Krampus movie. Also, um, Silent Night was playing in this movie. My mom's, one of my mom's most hated songs ever is Stevie Nicks version of Silent Night. But, like, my mom hates it. And my mom is like Carol Brady. She doesn't hate anything. So when she does hate stuff, she fucking hates it and she hates that version i love you stevie nicks like i think you're an angel but (laughs) my mom doesn't so whatever i want to see what she would do if i just put it on when she's here test her be like nadine i heard this song and i thought of you oh (laughs) i love you nadine merry christmas (laughs) 
<laughs> Thank you for listening to this episode of Bourbon and Blood. We'll be back in one week with another Christmas episode. Yeah. And oh, oh, oh. we want to wish everyone a very merry whatever holiday you just choose to go with this year. Just happy holidays. Happy holidays. Don't be, just don't be a dick to your fellow man. How about that? Be nice. Be nice to everybody. Can you try that, fucking world? God damn it. For once in your lives. Just be decent to each other. Jesus <laughs> Christ. <laughs> happy holidays from Bourbon and Blood, and we'll be back in one week. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> <laughs> no time is it to go No time is it We're proclaiming All the children let my story begin There was no room at the inn But throughout the cold and icy night There a star shone warm and bright